Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good afternoon, Michael. This is Tamika calling from A Crazy Dream. Thank you so much for joining us today. So I wanted to start off this show by bringing in people who I saw doing amazing things. And when I came across you and saw what you were doing, I thought that you would be a great guest to have on our show. So this is now officially our second episode. And I wanted to start the show off by giving you a couple of minutes to tell us a little bit about your current projects that you're working on and what you're currently doing. And then we could, you know, kind of go from there. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're currently doing, uh, some of the projects that you've worked on in the past, and, you know, how it's brought you to this place you are at right now. So first off, Nick, I want to say I really appreciate you having me on as a guest, and I'm glad that I'm celebrating your second-ever episode of this program. I know there's going to be many more of these to come, and I wish you and the crew nothing but the very best in what you're doing, and you should be commended for the work you put out there. So it's an extreme privilege and honor to be with you this afternoon. Uh, I've been living in Connecticut for the past nine years, and I work as a radio journalist, reporter, anchor, a couple of stations up here in the Hartford, New Haven market. I currently work as an anchor for WCIC AM in Hartford, and I also work as a reporter slash anchor at WCUN AM down in Hamden slash Haven. I've been in this business of broadcasting slash journalism for 16 total years. 13 of them have been spent in radio. And uh, I've covered so many memorable events in my career. Uh, I've won awards for my work up here in Connecticut. I've pretty much built a following through the work I've put out there and just had a great time doing the work, loving what I'm doing in terms of putting the news out there and going out and covering the big stories and just enjoying it because it's not like it's up here. I'm just out there doing what I do. I have the skills to do it. The people that I've worked with know what I can do, and they expect me to do my very best, and I've done nothing but. So uh, I'm actually going to be working this weekend at, on a uh, shift at uh, WTIC. And uh, some of the most memorable events I've covered have been the presidential inauguration in 2009 for Obama. I was the only member of the state media here in Connecticut, actually, that went down to D.C. to cover that. That was a milestone for my career. Uh, recently, I covered the UConn women's basketball team. They won their 11th national championship last week, and they were honored with a victory parade on Sunday afternoon in downtown Hartford. So I had the privilege and honor to cover that as well. And uh, there's been a lot of memorable, other, other memorable moments I've covered here in the state. And there's so many of the names that I lose. You know, there's so many of the names. But it just shows that I have a very uh, distinct appreciation for the work I've done and I've had this passion since I was in high school. When I was a junior in high school, I knew I wanted to become a journalist. 
Now, I didn't get into broadcasting right away. I started off as a reporter and as a newspaper writer. And I tied that straight into college in my freshman year. I started off at Bowie State University. I did a year there, and I transferred into Howard, and I finished up my degree at Howard in 2003. And while I was at Howard, I was running around D.C. doing internships, covering sporting events, and just hitting the big stories that were pretty much of interest during, during my four years there. And that carried into the postgraduate studies. I got my first job out of college at ESPN, which is headquartered here in Connecticut. I worked there for six years in their radio department as a production assistant. That's how I got into radio, because my first job out of college was in radio. That's amazing. So so it's almost like you've been on a journey since high school. Like, what happened in high school that let you know that this was a field that you'd be interested in? Because, you know, some people, they, they say, you know, they just it just happened. But it's like, no, like, this is a passion that was inside of you. So what was it in high school that let you know that this is the field that you wanted to enter and, and stay in? I'm a sports junkie. I like sports. I played sports and when I was growing up, when I was in high school, uh, I liked being a part of all the major sporting events, the World Series, the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Final Four for college hoops. And I would always find myself talking to my peers and my family members about the sports that were going on. And when I was in high school, I started writing for our school paper, and I was covering all of our local sports. I started writing for our football team, our basketball team, and that's where I got my niche, and I have not lost that passion ever since. And we're talking about going back to 1998 when I was a junior in high school, and then now it's 2016. I still have not lost the passion to be doing what I'm doing right now. And I say that because it's fun work. I mean, who want, who, if you're a sports fan and you can work in this industry and not only cover the big events but you get paid to do it as well, that's – you know, that's the icing on the cake. You're working in the industry that you like to, that you love and that you're passionate about and that you're wanting to do. So many people out there that wish they could become a sports journalist and cover all the big events and get paid for what they do. That's the extreme rare these days. It's true. And only it's the true. few that are exactly. chosen that will have that opportunity and have that skill will do it and will execute it and do their best work. So go all the way back to high school is where I started, and that's where I'm at now, 2016, still going strong, and still doing what I do up here. And it's just been amazing. I've been blessed with the opportunity. Definitely. So you talked about that first job at ESPN. You know, a lot of people, they think when you are when you want to do something, you have to start, you know, right at the top, right exactly in that position. Tell us a little bit about that first job at ESPN. Like, what kind of work were you doing in that first position when you started? Well, let me tell you how I got to ESPN first. It wasn't easy. When I got out of high, when I got out of college from Howard in 2003, I was struggling to find work because at the time the industry was very, uh, it wasn't really fruitful. There was a lot of layoffs going on. There was a lot of cutbacks. So for the time being, I struggled to find work in the industry that I had gotten my degree in. And I was working at a grocery store overnight stocking shelves while I was out there putting out resumes left and right. And then... I went to a convention in Dallas in that same year and dropped off my resume and applications to the ESPN people that were recruiting. And then I got back to New Jersey where I was living at the time, and I got a phone call one morning, and the ID showed that it was ESPN. So I answered the phone, and, of course, the guy on the other end of that phone was someone who was recruiting for a job at ESPN. And he asked me, how would I like to work for ESPN? 
I said, of course, it's a sports fan's dream like myself. I would love to be working on a major network like ESPN. So met with him. I drove up from New Jersey to Connecticut and met with him in person. We talked. He showed me around the campus. The campus was much smaller then. Now it's humongous. It's almost looking like an amusement park. It's so big now. And at the time, he showed me all over the place, and I met with the people that were hiring for the position. And then a week later, after I had finished up with that process, I got a phone call from him again, and he told me I had gotten the job. Tesla, I had to move to Connecticut within two weeks. And mind you, I was nowhere near ready to move or relocate anywhere at the time because I was still in that transition mode of just getting things with college. So yeah. <laughs> here I am, rushing and scrambling to try to find a way to get to Connecticut, and they did tell me they were going to work out all the, the logistics. They got me temp housing up there while I was able to find my own place, and I was able to work because they needed me to start right away. It was one of the busiest times of the season with baseball and basketball and football taking place. They needed some help, so they need not me wait too much longer to get up there. And after that, I got up there, and I did what I had to do for six years. I worked on some of the big shows. I worked with a lot of different personalities. I met people. Um, it was, you know, I had there were some good times, there were some bad times, there were some not so great times, but for the most part, it was a great experience, and I was proud of the work I did there, and I felt that in 2009, it was time to go in a different direction, so I left the company, and I pursued doing stuff more locally here in Connecticut, and I have not looked back on that ever since, and to this day, I'm really happy with what I've done. I love that. That's amazing. So I love that you talk about the fact that you were stocking shelves, like some people were probably looking at you like, did you tell people about your plans or like what, what did you envision yourself doing at that point? When you were stocking those shelves, like when you applied for that job, like what was your vision? Did you see yourself becoming a caster? Like what was your vision at that time in life? I wanted to be a sports journalist because that's what I have spent all my energy at Howard University for, was to get that degree and become a sports journalist after I graduated. didn't happen right away because, again, a lot of, and a lot, it's not just me. A lot of college students go through that same process and that same transition. When you're about to graduate, you're trying to find that first big break out of school. We're all applying for the same jobs. We're all competing for that same opportunity. It's not going to happen right away. For some people, it does different strokes for different folks. But for most of us, you ask any journalist, Tamika, and they'll probably tell you that they have a story to share about how they start at the bottom and the quote drift started from the bottom, now they're here. Because that's what yeah. it was. They had to start at the very bottom of the totem pole and work their way up to the top of the food chain. And let me tell you, it doesn't happen overnight. For some people, they, have that, they are fortunate that it might. For me, it did not happen overnight. A lot of us have to pay our dues. And I think that's one issue that has plagued our generations that some of us don't understand. You have to roll up your sleeves and you have to put in the work. If you want to be successful, listen, life is challenging as it is. No one said life is going to be easy. I still go through challenges now. But if you really want to make something of life, you have to be willing to sacrifice, put up with a lot of stuff, and just deal with it. Because only those who are suitable and are willing to do this will be the ones that come out on top. If you're determined to do it, you'll do it. If you're passionate about it, you'll do it. If you really want it that bad, you'll do whatever it takes, no matter what people say or whatever obstacles are thrown at you, you will go out there and you will get the job done and you will make the most of it. I can't stress that enough to our younger generation. Yeah, yeah I actually 
I know that you also you also mentor, correct? Like you're a mentor. Absolutely. You- I'm telling this to the same folks I mentor. I mentor a lot of folk up here in Connecticut, even though a lot of them do live around the country. Some of them live down in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, but I do manage to keep my lines of communication open even from up here in Connecticut. So it's not that I can't talk to them. I, I, I always tell them, though, my line is open. If you want to talk, I mean, I try not to do too much social media because I think that we need to talk and hear our voices yeah. and get a better perspective on what it is you want to do. And I also get to hear your sincerity, too, because one thing about me, um, I take great pride in what I do. I'm very passionate about my work. And I want to work with those who are on that same level as me. Not everybody's going to be on that same level, but if you have, a, if you show me an inkling that you really want to do this, I'm willing to go and bend over backwards to make it work. It's just that I put in 200%, I expect you to do the same thing, if not more. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't think you can do it. It's just that a lot of us want to be this. We can say, oh, I want to be this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. That's all well and good. The question is, are you willing to take those chances and make those sacrifices to make it happen? That's the real challenge. That's the real challenge. Can you do that? If you were throwing an obstacle at you right now, how are you willing to handle it? What kind of adversity can you withstand if you're put in that position? It's true. We're all going to go through it. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Like, for example, when you talk about the fact that you had to make that move, you know, almost instantly, some people would have said, no, like, I can't do this. Like, it's too soon. But said, like, you went with it. Like, do you feel that at those certain moments that some kind of synchronicity was going on, like things were just happening, like you just decided to go to that that place where ESPN would be at, where you could submit your resume, like how these things just started to take place? Was it like you were moving with, like, a purpose? Or, you know, there was, what was it that was motivating you? Like, what is the purpose that you feel that's, like, motivating you right now and what you do to make – Because I am excited make? about being a part of what I do. It's about the big stories that people want to be a part of and want to be able to cover it and say that, you know what, I was there. I was there for Obama's inauguration. I was there the night Kobe scored 60 points last night during his final game. I was there the night the Warriors won 73 games. I was there the night the Yankees won the World Series. I was there the night – that uh, U- the UConn women's basketball team won their 11th national championship and had set a historical moment for college sports in general. I want to say I was there to cover the big story about Obama being elected. I want to say I was there to cover um, uh, the new uh, – anything that is, like, newsworthy. I want to say I was there at the Grammys. I was there when I saw History Made at the Academy Awards. Those are the moments that you want to be a part of and you can say to your – Peers, that this is what I was a part of. I did this, and listen, I I can't take all the credit for the work I've done. I've had a lot of support from people, including my family and those around me who have worked with me to get me to where I'm at. But truth be told, I did take it and I ran with it because it was something that I wanted to do, and they were all in agreement with what my approach was. So, yeah, if you bring ideas to the table and it makes sense, they'll work with you, and if you do it which is the most important thing. Yeah, the idea is there. Now let's make it happen. Then you're on Exactly, the exactly. You know, because it's like the thought is there, right? But thoughts require action, you know, to become, you know, real. So action is right, a lot of Right, while the iron is falling. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's called strike while the iron is hot, is like I call it. While the yeah. iron is hot, oh, strike. Yeah, striking. I love it. 
So for somebody who might be interested in journalism, period, like what are some of the things that you would suggest for someone who wants to enter the field? Like what steps should they take? What things should they do? One thing you have to be willing to do is you have to be willing to make sacrifices because a lot of us are not going to enter the field making a million dollars in this business. It's not going to happen. People that are in the industry now that you see on TV every morning or hear about and then, or read about, those are the ones who've been in the business for over 20-something years and have made the most of it, and they've paid their dues to get where they're at now. That's why they're able to make that kind of money. So for anyone starting off, you're going to have to start at the bottom. You're going to have to get used to moving someplace different that you've never heard of. Some of us may be very fortunate that we have connections and we know somebody can get us a job somewhere that's the gates. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay your dues. You're going to have to work hard. You have to be willing to do the work. There's no shortcuts. A lot of us have to – a lot of journalists you see on TV, they didn't take shortcuts. They have to work. We've had to make sacrifices. Yeah. We've had to work on holidays. We've had to work weekends. We've had to spend time away from our families during those times of year, like we used to go home during Christmas or Thanksgiving. If you're just starting off, get ready to work holidays because you're not going to be around as much. You have to pay your dues like everybody else did, and then eventually when you earned your stripes, as I like to call it, then you'll be able to get that you know, privilege of having that time off to where you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Also, you yeah. have to be willing to make moves. You have to be willing to keep connections with people. You have to be willing to network. You have to be willing to be a sponge. You have to just work hard and keep your options open. Don't get too comfortable in one position. I mean, if you feel like you want to move elsewhere and move up in rank in advance, then keep looking. You got to be grinding. You got to hit the pavement. That's the best advice I could tell anybody. You just have to, and also, and this is one of the most important things I tell people because in our industry, listen, I'm sure you know this as a radio show host and what you do for a living. You probably have had these encounters with people already. Not everybody is rooting for you. So you've got to watch your circle, and you have to be mindful of who you align yourself with because, unfortunately, not everybody is righteous in this world today. People are going to be very envious and jealous of what you've accomplished, and they're going to feel like that they should be in front of you and you shouldn't be where you're at. For their own vendetta and their own personal reasons, that has nothing to do with you. You can be the nicest person on the face of the planet, but that doesn't mean that people are going to respect you. Just because they feel like they want something that you have, they're willing to go through major lengths to throw you off your track and take it from you. So one thing that you also should be mindful is who you talk to and who you align yourself with. Make sure you know the people that are with you and are going to support it because you know quickly. When you go through trials and tribulations, Tamika, you find out quick who is going to be on your side and who's not going to be on your side. It's really easy. When you go through challenges in life, you will find out who your true supporters are versus those who are just there for a season. You get my drift? I get your drift. Because that's the that's way life is. Unfortunately, we live in a society where not everybody is there anymore. It's unfortunate, especially in our line of work, because it's so competitive that people are just fighting for our jobs every day. So you've got to protect what you've earned, too and not let anybody come in and try and step on your toes or just, you know, run your ship. You got to defend it. You work for it, you got to take, you got you know, you got to earn it. You got to hold on to it. Definitely. Definitely. So how do you, how do you select the people that you work closest with? Like, how do you choose those people that you align yourself with? You know, what kind of things do you consider or factors? The people I've worked with, Tamika, knew already that I was aggressive, that I wanted to do this work. And that's how you can tell when somebody's serious about success because they will show you better than they can tell you. Because anybody can tell you anything about what they want to do. 
But as I mentioned earlier, it's about the effort and the action. You can tell me a whole bunch of stuff that you want to do right now, but the question is, can you do it? And when they see you're consistently doing it, you're constantly banging on their door or knocking on their door or making phone calls, doing whatever, you're constantly reaching out and asking questions, that's the kind of people you know for sure that are willing to do the work and you want to be closely uh, attached to because then you know for sure that they're not just messing around or playing games or wasting your time. They want this. It's yeah. real easy. It's called fives. You get fives. People have vibes. When people have a certain vibe about you, they can tell. If they get a vibe that, ah, oh, I don't know about this person. He doesn't. He or she doesn't sound like she's really that sincere. You will know just by instinct exactly how a person is going to come off. You'll know just by their body language. If you know for a fact that, like, that's why we connected to me, because I'm sure you knew the way you were asking all these questions off the air about what I was doing. I'm sure you would have gotten that vibe already. I'm telling you, if you would have known right from the bat, if you did not want to align yourself or get me on your show, you would have known that right from the get-go when we started talking off of Twitter. You would have gotten that vibe that I don't know about this guy, okay? You saw me. I was responding with rapid-fire answers. I was not messing around. This is what I do. I love it. No, and I love that, you know, you're willing to even, you know, educate me in the process of even just going through this with me because I look to people like you, like even though, I might not ever work with you directly, and who knows what the future holds. I still look at it like I can learn from you and your experiences and that you're like a wealth of information. So it's like that you're a teacher in your own right. You know, it's like you're a teacher, period, <laughs> actually. so that's Things in life happen for a reason, well. too. I also believe that. I mean, there's a reason why yeah. things do happen. I, if they weren't meant to happen, they wouldn't happen. And I just, I'm just a firm believer in that. I mean, when people are connected for a reason, you may not see it at first, but eventually it catches on. You'll say, ah, that's why we were connected. Now I see this. Now I see it. Now I get it. Exactly. You know, a lot of times, like, you know, when you talk about your story, you know, I'm sure that when you went and, you know, you you probably knew that you could do it. But, of course, in your mind, it's like almost like, could that really be real? It's like you ask yourself, like, could I really make that happen? You know, and I love what you said. It's like, you know, it's not so much about where you start. It's like you have to put in that work. Like you said, you might have to move. You know, you might have to move yourself. Like some people are so attached to where they are that that holds them back, you know, because they just they, they just won't move. They won't change. They're not, they won't open themselves to, like, new options and, uh, you know, new possibilities, basically. Right, because they get too complacent and they feel like that's all they're good for is to stay in one place. But listen, a lot of journalists in this industry that you see, mostly the famous ones you know or probably have heard about that have become household names, if you read their bios, you'll read that they start off in a major market, a city that's probably no one has ever heard of out in the Midwest somewhere. And they had to move around a little bit until they got back to the major cities that they grew up in, like a New York or a D.C. or a Boston or a Hartford or... Uh, in Atlanta or any other, or in LA or anywhere else that you know that has a lot of people and a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of fortune. It's just the way it is. Some of us may not have to take that similar path. I mean, listen, when I left Howard, Jamaica, I did not envision myself coming to Connecticut when I graduated. I wanted to stay in D.C. I was one of those folks that I had that envision. Oh, here I am. I'm getting ready to graduate from Howard. I got my degree. I made my connections here in D.C. I'm loving what I'm doing down here. I know a lot of people here. Uh, I'm ready to stay down here now. I don't want to go back to New Jersey. I'm going to stay here. I want to live here. I want to work. That's not what was planned for me. 
because um, I moved back to New Jersey, and from there I went to Connecticut, and that's where I'm at now. So now I'm seeing that there was a reason for me to be here in Connecticut, even though I was really sold on wanting to stay in Washington, but that didn't happen. And listen, I still keep my connections up with Washington people now. I do. I know a lot of people down there. We talk off social media. We sometimes text each other back and forth. My best friend lives down there. Uh, so I do keep my lines of communication open with them. It's just that it seems that a bigger purpose was meant for me to be here in Connecticut and nowhere else. And as a result, it's paid dividends. Yeah. So, Michael, when considering, like, journalism, because we have a lot of people, we have a lot of, like, blogging, you know, this is, like, almost like what journalism is becoming, blogging in a sense, you know, it's like the way journalism and information moves now, like, anyone can write and create a following and, in a sense, you know, do something of this nature. Like, what advice do you have for that person who might not be in school but who's really interested in writing and, you know, maybe doing journalist work, like becoming a journalist or becoming a news anchor? Like, what advice do you have for that person? Just be a news junkie. Watch TV. Listen to the radio. Watch. Read the newspaper. Become immersed in the field. Just watch the news. Listen, I watch the nightly news every night before I go to bed. 11 o'clock news. I'm a radio guy. I'm a radio head, so I'm in my car. I listen to news radio. I listen to sports talk radio because, for one, I work in the business, so I know I got to prepare and learn and know what's going on in the world each day before I take to the airways behind the microphone before I deliver my anchoring duties. You know what I mean? I have to make sure I'm prepared to talk about what's going on. One thing you never want to do is lose sight of what's going on in the world. That's why I tell people, read, watch, listen. Do all three of those and do it regularly. Yeah. I was so, told to study TV one time because if people want something to be on TV, one professor told me that don't watch TV, study it. Study how they do things. Study how they produce elements. Study how the anchors speak. Study their, their uh, style. Watch how they go about conducting their reports. Same thing with writing. Read the newspaper. Read. I, listen, the key to that is you have to read. You have to read. If you're going to be a journalist, number one, you have to be able to read. You cannot be a reporter or a journalist if you don't know how to read. And I'm not being funny here. You have to pick up books, newspapers, magazines, whatever it is that has any type of text in it, and you have to read it. And you have to read it regularly. That's how you become good at your craft. You read and you learn how they write, and then you start to apply it to you what you want to write, and then as you start to write and develop a niche, and then you start get, you get better at it, then you find yourself becoming a good writer. And that's always been told. Practice makes perfect. The more you do it, the better you get at it. That's what anything in life. The better, the more you practice, the better you get at it. I struggled before, and people told me that. Listen, you've gotten a lot better. It's improvement, and that's the thing. As long as you're improving and not going backwards, that's what counts. Because it could be one thing that you're doing the work, but if you're not showing any sort of improvement in your in the quality of the work that you do, that's that's you know. It's not going to help you. So you have to be able to do it and get better at it. And the better you get at it, the more you see your own improvement. And you'll know because you'll know that, okay, I know I'm doing this now. And then when you hear it from your superiors, of course, is when you know for sure you're doing it right because they'll tell you that you're doing it right. You've gotten better at it, and we know you're doing it. Otherwise, you won't be working. <laughs> it's just that simple. They'll fire you. Yeah. But really, that's yeah. how you get better at your craft. You just do it and do it and do it and do it as often as possible. And as you do it, you get better at it. It's just that simple. Oh, I love that. I love that you talk about the importance of reading and writing because 
you know, in my experience, that applies across the board. If there's anything, like reading and writing are two skills that are that you should be able to do, period. But especially like reading, like reading for fun and then read, like reading non-fictional and fictional work because that is where information is. It's in using books and then there are references and then you can actually like check facts and compare things and think critically about what you're taking in and not just be like repeating what, what you like read, you know what I mean? Right, and that's the thing. You have to be, yeah, listen, you've got to read. I can't stress that enough. That's a prerequisite for writing and doing journalism work. You have to be able to read. You cannot be on the air or or a writer or anything in that this in this line of work if you can't read. Yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine. Oh. You have to read. Yeah. No, people, please. I'm like, read, like, books. The library is free. Read books. You know, read anything. Listen, I'm library. a library. Listen, I read books a lot now. I mean, I was one not to be, I wasn't a big time avid reader for a while, too, when I was growing up. But then I started doing a lot more reading, and I seen that has helped my craft. Because when you read, yeah. you can learn the words better. You know the vocabulary and what they mean, and you get to write that down on paper. You start to formulate sentences, and then you see you're doing better at that, and then you can start to become a good writer doing it that way. Yeah, and I love that you said, like, actually doing something is what helps you get better because, you know, it's like repetition. Like, if you keep doing it, of course you're going to get better because you're going to learn from your mistakes. Like, yesterday we had some technical issues, and I did the show anyway because I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, this is still a way for me to learn and grow right now so I can either end the call or I can continue on and still have this experience. So it's like life, you know, like what you're, what so much of what you said is like, regardless of what's happening, like, you know, remember, like you have to keep moving forward, like keep learning, keep growing. Michael, like, I wanted to ask you, you know, what is like your dream, like your crazy dream? Like, what do you envision for the future? (laughs) Yeah. What do I envision for the future? Well, Listen, I'm only 30. I'm going to be 35 years old this August, and I've been in this business for 16 years now. I don't think I've accomplished a lot right now. I really don't. People will look at me and say, "Are you, are you crazy?" I say yes because I still feel like it's like any other person that feels like they have a lot to prove. And even though they may have accomplished a lot in life, you still feel deep down inside you still have a lot of work left to do. And that's how I feel right now from where I stand. I still have a long ways to go. So ultimately, I want to be able to cover the big events like the Grammys or the uh, the major sporting events. Listen, I've covered the president already. I've covered the historical milestones here in Connecticut alone. And the best, I feel, is just to come. And as long as I continue to work at what I do and keep pushing, I'm going to get there. Ultimately, ultimately, I want to be a reporter for a major sports team and covering what they do and eventually culminate in that with a championship, whether it be collegiate or professional. Because I'm a big college sports fan, too. So it doesn't matter to me. I just like to be a part of history. And that's one thing I like to look back on my career and say, I was a part of not just American history, but world history. Covering the inauguration in 2009 when Obama was in D.C., that was not American history. That was world history. And now I can say to my kids one day that, yes, your father or any of my peers, yes, your mentor was in D.C. the night, or the day rather, that President Barack Hussein Obama got sworn in as the 44th president. I was down there, and I was there to cover it. Yeah, and you shared that story with the world. Because you may never, ever see history like this ever again. That's why you're blessed to live and be a part of these moments. 
the UConn women's basketball team making history last week. We may never, ever see anything like this in all sports again. Four straight championships, 11 overall, and the way they dominated this game this year, they were expected to win. That's why it wasn't such a big deal amongst the fans up here because we knew that they were that good, and they were expected to win the championship the way they were playing. So to be a part of that historical moment, because, again, we like to be a part of history. I'm sure you want to be a part of history, and you can say to your peers and your kids one day, yes, I was a part of this. I was there. And that's how you make more connections because people can say, wow, you did this? Yes, I did this. And I have the proof to show you that I was a part of it. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Like, I think that history is made every day. Like, every decision we make, everything is world history. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So I love, it I love just the fact that it's like, you know, sharing those stories because we need to share stories. Like, it's almost like we're losing a lot of the stories because of the way that we that we communicate and through conversation, like through these kinds of exchanges, we are able to learn more of the story, you know, and I love that and I love that you do that. And I wanted to ask you, you know, because I know that I know that you have a busy day. I wanted to just ask you if you could tell us a little bit about the scholarship that you're currently offering because I did see that your association that you're a part of, um, I wanted you to talk about that if you don't mind. You know, Absolutely. Know about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure if the listeners are from Connecticut, Rhode Island, or Massachusetts, but uh, I am the vice president for broadcast for the Southern New England Association of Black Journalists, which is an affiliate chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. Uh, we are now offering scholarships for students in high school, preferably seniors, and anybody that's a student in college that has aspirations to be a journalist. And we're offering three $1,000 scholarships to anyone who can apply and has an interesting story to share with us about why they want to become a journalist. And, again, this is open to students in Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts because we're a three-state chapter, and those are the three states we serve, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. You can find out more about this scholarship by following us on Twitter. The hashtag, I mean, the Twitter handle is S-N-E-A-B-J. On the website, we're at sneabj.weebly.com. And we're also on Facebook. Just follow us and search Southern New England Association of Black Journalists on Facebook and follow us there. And we usually keep posting announcements. I mean, that's part of my job with them, too. I usually post all the social media stuff so that we keep all of our peers in the loop of what's going on. Nice. Thank you so much. And, Michael, could you just tell people where they could find you? Because I want people to be able to find you as well. Absolutely. I'm on Twitter. Cat, uh, Twitter is at Lyle Multimedia. That's L-Y-L-E Multimedia, all one word. You can also find me at that same uh, handle on Instagram at Lyle Multimedia. And you can just search my name on Facebook, Michael Lyle Jr. So I'm all over social media. Thank you so much, Lyle, for joining us today. You know, I'm so happy that you could be on the show. I appreciate, you know, the experiences I've had with you already. And I just want to close it out by saying, like, this is what we're going to continue to do on the show, a crazy dream. We're going to share stories with people who are dreaming but also doing because, like you said, action, that's what that's what it's all about, you know, especially when, you know, you're moving with a purpose and you're teaching people on the process. That's amazing. So thank you so much, Lyle, for being on the show. Uh, listeners, you can find more of these stories at com. You can find us on Instagram at a crazy dream. 
You can find us on Twitter at a crazy dream 36. Thanks, Smile, and hopefully you'll come back again in the future, and we'll check in with you again. Absolutely, and listen, a crazy dream is a dream you can live out and be happy with. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, well, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. You know, have a great day. Appreciate it, Tamika. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Take care. Stay care now. Bye. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.